This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, episode 31. I had about 70 kids, and five years later, it came into, I had 613 kids in my summer program. This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. Welcome to the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. I'm Scott Caulfield. Here with me today, Leanne Blinn, Director of Olympic Sports at Appalachian State University, right out here in Boone, North Carolina. Coach, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, and we are at the 2018 Coaches Conference here in Charlotte. It's been a great event so far. How have you how have you enjoyed it? It's been phenomenal. Um, the opportunity to speak yesterday, listen to some phenomenal speakers. Uh, it's been a great event. Yeah. And you guys had a pretty interesting topic, so you co-presented with Travis Triplett, a professor at Appalachian State and the president-elect of the NSCA Board of Directors. So tell us a little bit about your guys' topic and how you are collaborating at App State. Um, the opportunity to work with Dr. Triplett has been phenomenal. She's she's a great professor, and we're trying to figure out how to take the classroom practical classroom application and bring it into practical um, practice um, within the weight room and create a phenomenal internship program at App State. Um, she's been instrumental in sending us interns and we want to try to put out the best interns possible. So it's been it's been a great, great partnership. That's great. Sure. And you uh, what are you lo- what are you ideally looking for in these interns and what are the, you then hoping you know, what do you what are the key things that you guys are really imparting on them as to send them out into the field to be professional the hardest thing right now is we get interns of all different levels so we're getting interns that have zero experience that just need to fulfill a curriculum requirement and then we're getting interns that have some experience whether it's their undergrad or as a student athlete or they volunteered so we have a wide variety of, of interns that do come to us I don't want to make an internship to where because I've seen it <laughs> All too many times where, hey, just go set this up, go clean, go do this, and they get no actual practical experience out of it. So we're trying to set up an actual curriculum to where every single week our student our student interns are learning something and going through, you know, lifting technique to coaching cues to um, writing programs, program design, warm up. So we're trying to make an actual curriculum out of it um, in the hopes to send some interns out into, you know, either bigger schools or high schools that have have some experience that actually can have an impact on on a student athlete and on a program. Yeah, and I think like you guys said yesterday too, it was about the coaching side, right? Or the actual, they might only get uh, one or two or three or one class on how to do technique in their undergrad program. And so then also getting them and making them realize that probably those three classes were not enough to learn what they need to know to teach people how to lift. Absolutely. You can't take, you can't teach an intern, let alone teach a student athlete how to clean in one day. Um, The basic fundamentals, yes, but it takes a lot longer to learn and to have a coach's eye and to see what athletes are doing wrong or what they're doing correctly. And I think our interns just need that exposure in those hours. Yeah, that's great. Coaching and hands-on. Cool. And you've been, uh, you've been in pretty much every 
aspect of strength and conditioning um, that there can be. You've been in the private sector, you've been in the high school, been in college, you're back in college now. Back in college. <laughs> How did, uh, you know, where did this kind of, why did you decide to go back into college? And maybe actually first take us back a little bit. So talk us about, talk to us first about uh, how you got started because that was interesting uh, when you were talking about sending out uh, letters and stuff yesterday and emails to get you know a first look but yeah talk about how you first got interested in coaching and then how you got back into the college scene 20 years later (laughs) it's a lot it's a lot so I started um my undergrad was athletic training, so I played field hockey, softball in college, um, in my undergrad at Endicott College, and I went to school there. It was two-year school. I went there for athletic training. I kind of wanted to be on that side of it, and I went to, <laughs> I graduated high school in 1990, so I'm 45, so mm-hmm. there's a whole history here, and, and really, you know, the NSCA started in, in 1985, correct, yeah. is when it started, so um, it was fairly new. Strength conditioning was kind of fairly new so I had to Endicott was a two-year school so I went to Miami Ohio to finish my undergrad in athletic training I met Dan Dalrymple who is the um, strength coach for the Saints New Orleans Saints um, Saturday is gonna be a little hard or Sunday's gonna be a little hard uh, rooting for <laughs> Panthers or Saints because yeah, you know house and yeah tough, tough one um, and Dan Dalrymple kind of opened my eyes on the making things happen and instead of in athletic training I say you sit around and wait for things to happen in terms of injury or rehabbing injuries or you know waiting for someone to roll their ankle hurt their knee whatever um, I wanted to make things happen so I decided that hey strength conditioning is the way I wanted to go um, I took a gap year between my grad and undergrad and decided hey I got to look into strength conditioning and find a GA position now kind of like I mentioned yesterday hey there's no there was no internet in 1995 when I went to grad school there was no internet there was no email so I sent out at least 60 letters um, to coaches saying hey and it was so new so new of a profession you know most most strength coaches or programs had one strength coach and there wasn't this plethora or array of, of strength coaches there was strength coaches we had one head guy and that was it so I sent out 60 letters and I got, because again, there was no email, I got um, two responses, Wisconsin Lacrosse and Northern Arizona University. So I chose Northern Arizona, um, went there, did one year, um, had the opportunity though, in my gap year, I went out to Nevada, Reno to go ski, totally go ski. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take the opportunity to go visit the strength coach there, see what he's got. And um, I guess I made a lasting impression on Mike Jones because he sought me out at Northern Arizona and said, hey, I have, an, I have a full-time position for cool. you. Do you nice. want it? So that's kind of how I started into it. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of progressed from there. Yeah. Um, went from Nevada, Reno, um, was there for four years. Then I went to Boston College, was there for four years. Um, and then I went to Arizona State. Um, and I was at Arizona State from 2003 to 2005. Um, and I had met House, Coach Ken, um, when I was at Nevada, Reno. He was at Boise State. And okay. my husband does the, the sports medicine for the PBR, the professional bull riders. And there was always a bull riding in Boise. Yeah. So I would go my husband then I go hang out with house and rich gray um and we kind of made a connection there and he brought me to Arizona State um the hard thing for me at that point 2005 it really became more about family um you work so much as a strength coach you work ungodly hours sometimes um 
and my husband said, enough's enough. He's like, what do you want to do? And at that time, it was all about the private sectors were coming up. Um, The money as a strength coach wasn't like it was or wasn't not even close to what it is now in terms um, of creating jobs and, and that market. So I had the opportunity to go into the private sector. I was offered a director's position. I was making 48 Arizona State and I was offered 70 grand to go be the director at a private facility. Working a whole lot of less hours and, you know, running a facility, being a director, you know, at that time there wasn't a lot of opportunities for women in the field as a director is really, there's not a lot now, um, hasn't changed much. Um, you know, I wanted to be Meg Stone. Meg Stone was my idol. I met Meg Stone in 2000 or no way back 95, my undergrad and she was, or grad work. She was my idol and that's who I wanted to be. And it's just been, it's been a fight ever since, you know, in that. So, yeah. And then, in, so in that private sector job that you took was in Massachusetts, and that's yep. actually where I met you because I had competed in my first strongman event competition that I had looked up on the internet, thought it was cool. I <laughs> decided to train for in a gym without any implements, and my only goal was to come, not come in last in that contest. And I came in eight out of nine. <laughs> yeah. uh, I successfully achieved my goal, and then I realized, man, I got to figure out how to do this strongman stuff. And you guys, I had a clinic like basically yep. like an intro to strongman clinic in 2005 or six somewhere in there that I went to and you taught us all of the basics um, and I remember you taught us how to flip the 500 pound tire and yep. then you said congratulations guys you just flipped the women's tire <laughs> in strongman yeah I'm kind of paying the butt like that <laughs> <laughs> but no that was really cool to see and then and then from that opportunity you had you know the opportunity to go into the high school setting which I you know from talking to you was a really good experience and a cool situation so talk a little bit about going from now private sector to high school so high school opportunity um private sector I ended up owning I worked for somebody for two years and then I ended up owning my own facility and and uh, running my facility athletic based training um in Massachusetts and I'm a coach the, the hardest part about owning a business is all the business side of it. And my husband did 99% of the business side. Um, he was way better at that side of it than me. And I wanted to coach. I'm true someone who wants to be on the floor that wants to have an impact on student athletes. I'm not someone who wants to go out and recruit athletes or go out and, you know, make that business call or whatever. Um, I'm good at going in, volunteering, coaching, and doing clinics and stuff like that. Um, and then this job came open at the high school, at Franklin High School. And Coach Sidwell, Brad Sidwell, um, phenomenal, phenomenal athletic director and coach. He, he's like, hey, you know, come work with our football team. And um, I'm like, my husband was like, well, you're owning a business. How are now are you going to step away from your business and go coach at a high school? And I'm like, I just need those three hours after school that I can focus on just being a coach. Yeah. That's what I wanted to do. I got you know, I love my private sector, my boot camps and all that and coaching, but it was getting away from that. And it was kind of killed me a little bit. So went to the high school, um, coach Sidwell was, was great. Started with the football guys, um, had about 70 kids 
And five years later, it came into, I had 613 kids in my summer program. Wow. So from 70 to 613 <laughs> within a four or five year span was phenomenal. Wow, and cool. we made a huge impact on kids' lives and teaching kids. And we started, my summer program was also fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. So we did some middle school stuff. Um, but teaching those kids the movement, how to move, how to be strong, how to um, just give them some confidence. And confidence is one of the biggest things that you teach and you help get them to have at that age. Um, you know, you're not lifting them heavy. You're not saying, all right, we're going to go squat 400 today, you know. Um, but it, it's little successes and it, you, the smile on their faces and, and just things that they they got from it. And the emails you get from parents saying, oh, my God, little Johnny is, like, psyched to be there. And uh, so that was, that was one of the coolest things. And honestly, one of the hardest things for me to leave and to decide to go back into the college setting, you know. Right. Um, it was it was not easy. It was not an easy decision. So yeah, and I think you had a, you made a good point talking about uh, being a business owner or running your own business because a lot of people right now too in this industry the private sector is kind of booming like Absolutely. there's a lot of opportunity and I, don't, I know that people have said to me a lot oh yeah you know you, you, do you want to own your own facility day one day and i've you know i know so many people like you and other people and i'm like no no absolutely not i do i would not want to own my own facility like i like working for somebody else and knowing that when i shut the lights off at night no one's going to call me because something went wrong or something broken that i'm yep. going to be on the hook to fix it i absolutely uh, it w- yeah. Owning your own business is a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week job. Yeah. You know, your employees, they can go home for the day. They can don't have to worry about it. Um, it it's just one of those things. You know, one of my best employees um, was Kevin O'Neill. Um, Kevin O'Neill, love that guy. He's at um, Nobles and Greenow High School in Massachusetts private high school, but he was one of my best employees I ever had. Okay. You know, great guy, great, he got it, he understood it, and he worked for us, he was an intern for us at yeah. um, at Arts Place, and, yeah. and it's just grown, but for the most part, most people aren't bought in like you're bought in when you have to pay the bills and, and yeah. do all that stuff. And for me, owning a business, yeah, it, it wasn't athletic-based training, it was Leanne's place. Everyone knew it as, yeah. <laughs> as yeah, Leanne's yeah. place, you know? Um, training, and it's just, it's a lot, it, it really is. And, and most honestly, truthfully, most head coaches don't make great business owners. They really right. don't. Right. They really don't. And I'm lucky I had my husband to, to yeah. do 90% of the work that I didn't want to do or didn't like to do. Yeah. So. yeah. I think you either have to have a really good business partner or you have to have a passion for learning business. Absolutely. Too. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, we were successful. We yeah. were, yeah. we had two facilities. We, yeah. we had seven employees. It, it was, we had outside stuff. We yeah. had, I mean, we were a very successful business and I just kind of walked away you know yeah, yeah. I sold it to um, to one of my head coaches and he's done a very good job with it Chris yeah. has done a very good job continuing on yeah. that program yeah and you the high school that you worked at really grew and you know do you do you see that area too do you think that high school strength conditioning is kind of picking up and realizing more and I think in the northeast too I mean I'm from Vermont so I can say that, that I've always felt we were a little behind the times in New England yep. you know like a few years behind even Massachusetts up but it seems it seems like they're starting to kind of catch on and like with high school strength conditioning and training facilities and sports absolutely i think it's one of the best hires you can make as an athletic director 
is a strength conditioning coach in your high school. It's it's one of it's just like any college program. It's your number one. A strength conditioning coach sees your kids every day, in season, off season. We'll see your kids every day, and you have the opportunity to make a huge impact, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, the whole nine yards with your with your athlete. And I think it's something that all high schools need to need to have. Um, there are outside facilities that do come in. When I own my facility. I worked with those coaches. I never, Holliston High School, for example, Coach Athlete and Coach Kylie, um, great football coaches. I would never step, walk in and step on their co- toes and say, I'm pulling kids from your program to come over to my facility. I worked with them. I helped. I write their program three days a week. One of the biggest things, hey, you got to train with your team. You want extra work? I am more than happy to come help you. Those that are at high school level, kids are like, they're either on the fence. A lot of kids are on the fence. Like, right. hey, I want to go play in college or I don't want to play in college. You know, my girlfriend comes first. My boyfriend comes first. Um, so you have kids that are on on either side then they may stick with it you know throughout their their high school career they may not um but i think one of the biggest mistakes private facilities make is that they say oh i'm going to take you away from your high school program if your high school has a strength conditioning coach then let your high school strength conditioning coach do their job as a strength coach and because they're going to have that impact it's it's more about the x's and o's or the you know the squats and the cleans it's about team camaraderie and team building Um, and just like at holliston high school i would never take those kids away from their program at holliston high school ever Um, and they came in and trained you know they came and trained did some extra work and and things like that so i mean it's just about building as much as we talk about building relationships with the athletes you train it's building the relationships with those coaches to let them know that you're not that you're not taking anyone away from them you're helping them make their program better Better. and they were super bowl champions they were you know phenomenal phenomenal team they're phenomenal coaches and just a phenomenal team and had some great athletes um you know how much so. did did help being an ATC help you? Do you think that's a huge asset? Would you recommend people that are thinking of being a strength coach go that route? Because there's a lot of people that are dual certified ATC, CSCS. Um, I think it's, well, ATC now is going to a master's program. Yeah. So... I think undergrad, having an undergrad actually in strength conditioning would actually help. And then as an athletic trainer, go on and understand it. It's helped me significantly. It's easy for me just being at all different levels that I've been at. It's helped me say, all right, this is how we incorporate the reconditioning phase of you back into the weight room, back into a quote unquote normal program, lifting program along with your teammates. Um, I understand that, hey, in ACL at week, you know, at month three, they're just starting to get back into straight ahead running um sometimes it's it's month four um i think it's an important piece of it for me to be actually an athletic trainer and and especially if you're at a smaller school if you're at a small school um d2 d3 high school having that background is huge it's absolutely huge yeah and i'm just thinking too like if if you are in an athletic training program and you want to be a strength coach you know you're your opportunities as high schools are really just growing into this and kind of learning about it. Most high schools do require an athletic trainer. And so you could really sell yourself as an additional uh, benefit by being a strength coach as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So just wearing more hats. um, On the flip side though, there's people that uh, there's athletic trainers out there that 
take the CSCS just to have the credential behind their name, but they have no idea what happens in a weight room. Right. I've had people ask me that. They're like, well, should I take the CSCS? Well, do you have you ever stepped foot in a weight room? Well, yeah, kind of, but not really. So it kind of, you know, they can take the test and pass the test, but can you actually coach? Right. You know, right, so right. it kind of goes a yeah. little bit both ways. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The hands-on coaching piece is definitely the missing link so to speak that a lot of people um, aren't getting so hopefully some of the other things like that we're offering in our foundation of coaching lifts course is going to kind of fill some of those gaps Absolutely. with a assessment of your coaching ability and just continuing to push why internships and mentorships are so important in this field. It's absolutely important. Absolutely. You know, anyone can read a book, but can you apply it? Can you apply? Can you actually look at a kid and say, okay, your knees are caving in valgus? Or if you give coaching cues, well, get to parallel. Kids don't know what parallel is, right, right. you know, so you got to look at your coaching cues and things like that so uh, so let's go back to like mentorship and learning what was it like working for some of those early coaches that shaped your you know kind of coaching path I've learned a lot of how to do things and I've learned a lot of how not to do things <laughs> how to treat people and how not to treat people so Every opportunity is a learning opportunity in every situation you ever go into. Um, when I started out in 1995 in grad school, you know, programming, Rich McClure was weightlifting, 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 four days a week, four-day week split, and it was tra a traditional, you open up <laughs> USA Weightlifting Magazine, and really that's how the programming was set. And then I go to work for um, Mike Jones at Nevada, and he's like, you know, typical linear periodization, and, you know, all right, this week we're going four at the 10, then we're going to, or for a block, three weeks, four weeks, 10, then four weeks, eight, and then it's push-pull, it's three days a week. So you learn from different, way different people. Um, I've learned so much from Coach Ken. House has been a huge influence in my career and utilizing the tier system and taking that program. Hey, it's more than just about lifting weights when you talk about um, training an athlete. You know, it's, can they move? Can they run? Can they, um, are they able to stop, start, change direction? Deceleration is something that we don't really teach some times. Um, so I think there's lots of components to it and it's more than just weightlifting um, or powerlifting or whatever. You know, I think those are just means, you know, me, I'm a competitive powerlifter. You know, I've done, I've competed in Olympic lifting. I've competed in powerlifting. I've competed in strongman. So I've done all that stuff. But you can't put me in pads and put me on that football field. Right, right, right. Although Coach Axman, who was the, <laughs> who was the head football coach at uh, Nevada Arena, or actually, I'm sorry, at Northern Arizona, he's like, hey, we need a linebacker, you know, because he's sitting there watching me lift in the weight room back in the early days. But, you know, it's it's just because you're strong doesn't mean you can move and be a right. good athlete. You know, I had an NFL scout come in when I was at Nevada Reno, and he looked at all the stats, and he's like, oh, my God, this kid, you know, he's got a, a 4 three forty. he's got a 40-inch vertical jump, and I'm like, Chris is a great kid, he's great in the weight room, but he can't play a lick of football. Like, are you just looking at those numbers? Yeah. Like, they, sometimes they just don't transfer. And some of your some of your athletes, some of your worst kids in the weight room are your best athletes on the field, right, right, you know? Right. So sometimes it doesn't always, always transfer. Yeah. You know, kids watch me 
when I was training for the World Games, you know, I was walking out, I had 565 on my back squatting, you know, getting ready for the World Games. And, you know, my basketball guys are like just sitting there staring at me. <laughs> I dumped it, but <laughs> after I went to racket, but, you know, they're staring at me like I'm crazy. But I don't expect them, you know, a kid's 7'2", I don't expect them to put right. 565 on their back, yeah. you know, or yeah, yeah. bench 400. And right. so it's all, it's all relative and pertinent to where you're at. So, yeah. um, but there's a lot of things that I, you know, definitely have learned, um, even how to treat people, you know, when I was at Boston College and and I was, the whole coaching change happened, and, and this happens to a lot of people now in our profession. They kind of get quote unquote inherited by. So the head coach, head strength coach gets fired. You know, you're there, and as, as an assistant, as an assistant, you know, your job is safe, but is it really safe? Yeah. And back in 2003, um, being at BC, you know, Mike Poitomani, another one of my great, um, great influences in in my career. You know, he he's like, I'm leaving and going. You know, I'm going in the private sector and going actually in um to sell equipment and uh and then we had a, another guy come in new head guy come in and he was just he was as brash as they come you know women should be working with women and i'm looking at this guy like yeah okay go screw yourself yeah. you know yeah. I, it was not it was didn't sit well with me yeah. Yeah. um and i left you know shortly time short time thereafter to go work for coach ken and again it was the best experience so you take take things six months working with this guy who thought what women should be working with women it's like i don't care if i'm you know right. male female black blue green it doesn't matter yeah. and yeah. uh but that that was his attitude about it and Crazy. of course he's not in the field anymore so which yeah. is <laughs> goes go figure yep. go. <laughs> uh, yeah well you and you alluded to it you uh bench more than a lot of guys squat that are probably listening to the show and that we know uh in the world but uh how how hard is it or you know how much of you know the dedication that you put into being a world champion lifter as well so talk a little bit yeah about how you have been a world champion continue to be a world champion you know and uh train around all this other stuff that you do as well <laughs> um i'm a little ocd <laughs> not gonna lie i plan everything out my husband kind of hates it um you know lifting has been part of me i started lifting when i was 13 years old and um one of our gas at northern arizona trevor he's like you need to compete and he, Trevor and his wife Michelle took me to my first powerlifting meet in 19, uh, 1995 and I made the world team in 1997 didn't do very well yeah. back then but I've been competing um, in the IPF for 23 years um, been to three world games I finally podium finished on the at the world games um, in Poland this year took a bronze medal awesome. um, which is pretty cool I've done world's strongest woman in 2003 um, taught, taught Martin Rooney how to flip his first tire yeah. when he came out to visit, visit us at Arizona State um, <laughs> So it's pretty cool, um, you know. Weight I did weightlifting, you know, with Rich McClure for for a while, and um, I'm not fast. Like I muscle <laughs> everything up, so weightlifting really wasn't in the cards. Yeah, you know, did yeah, a couple, yeah. and then found my niche really in powerlifting, and then met Art McDermott and uh, um, Charles Poliquin, and kind of got into the the strongman piece yeah. of it, and uh, did 2003 World Strongest Woman, and. <laughs> You know, I'm 45 years old, and I'm honestly the strongest now than I've ever been. You yeah, know, a lot of yeah, it's learning. Yeah. I'm single ply. I know how to use the gear. Yeah. Um, my best squat's 545. My, I have a world record bench at 421, um, and a master's world record dead at uh, 5501. So, so, you know, badass. master's is 40 and over. So, yeah. you know, so I am kind of strong. I've kind of, you know... 
I kind of said I was retiring after World <laughs> Games. I don't know if I really want to retire, but you know, it's one of those things you want to go out on top or you want to, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, continue yeah. to. But uh, you know, I miss it. I do miss it. You know, Brad Gillingham is in the in the crowd yeah. here over at GNC, yeah. and Brad's one of my, you know, most favorite lifters yeah. ever, and the best deadlifters, you know, best deadlifter in history of, of yeah. absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so this is a loaded question because I know what you're going to say, but how important is it? Not necessarily for someone to become a your level powerlifter, but how is important is it for strength and conditioning coaches to actually train themselves? <laughs> I think you have to practice what you preach. If you are going to be in the weight room and coach athletes every day, you don't have to be a world champion lifter. You don't have to be, but you have to be an example to your student athletes. You have to be a good example. Um, in the weight room, out of the weight room, you know, um, but I do think it is important. Um, I think for me, it's honestly being a, a being a female in this field. It's helped my career along a lot. Um, back at Nevada Reno, um, when they hired me. Mike Jones hired me at the same time. There was a powerlifting meet. They made a bowl game. So they made a bowl game in Vegas. And they, uh, there was a, our NASA was the original organization I started with. And there was a competition. It was their, their national championships. So I drove down or flew down there, did my meet, and then came over to Vegas to the Vegas Bowl. And I came back with four big-ass trophies, and I flew on the plane on the way back with the team. And the guys were like, holy shit, you just, like, set a world record this? And, and there was a whole different level of respect there, yeah. especially in, in, as a female, yeah. you know. Um, and I hate to say it because it kind of sucks saying, you know, well, I have to right. prove myself a little bit harder as a female. But right. um, even as a guy, if you're, you know, short and fat and haven't touched a weight in your life, uh, your kids aren't going to respect you, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and, you know, you sit on the couch eating bonbons and potato chips and, right. you know, right. don't don't give out what you're, you know. Yeah. Don't practice what you preach. You have yeah. to practice what you preach. Yeah. Hands on. Yeah. Hands and on. I just think, you know, following a program from whatever it might be, but a 12-week program and seeing the progression of yep. what this program is like that you're then obviously expecting when you're writing a program for people to know what it feels like, to know what they're expecting, you know. Uh, I've always said it too, like, you know, don't put, I don't put athletes through some well, workout that I haven't tested on myself Absolutely. before, you know, things Absolutely. That, like that, that, um, and even, you know, doing programs that other people have written, I, I think, you know, having done this for a long time and I'm still, I still reach out to other professionals who I respect absolutely to help me even though yeah absolutely i can write my own program but a lot of the times it's easier to kind of connect with someone i know and trust and who knows kind of the things that i my goals and stuff to help me with a program absolutely. yeah i'm about to start travis mash's program pretty nice. soon I, you nice. know and um you know go through that and just try something different yeah. you know try something different and see see what you can fix and correct right, and right. you know what works what doesn't work so yeah. I think it, I think it's huge, and and even for me, like I would never take my program, my my lifting program yeah. as a power lifter. Right, I would right. never say, "All right, basketball, we're gonna do this today." All right, soccer, yeah. this is what we're gonna. You, you can't do that, right. you know. Um, but I do think, kind of, we talked about yesterday about our internship program. I think it's important to say, okay, today we're pulling out of a hat. We're gonna go through the golf program, and yeah. you as an intern have to complete that golf program to yeah. know what they go through. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really important, you know, just to take a, you know, weightlifting program. 
out of USA Weightlifting or take a powerlifting program at a powerlifting USA and say, okay, athlete X, Y, and Z, this is what you're going to do. I think you're doing a disservice to your student athlete. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think there's way more, there's way more to it than lifting. You know, right. my husband jokes at me all the time. He's like, you're not an athlete. He's like, you're a powerlifter. You go up and down, you go, you know, you squat, you bent, you dead, you don't move at all. Yeah. And I'm right. like, correction, when I did strong woman, I had to move. <laughs> I may not move very well, but I had to move. That's right. Yeah. That's funny. Um, yeah, I say that sometimes when I've talked about Olympic lifting and I said, uh, I train athletes, not Olympic lifters. And people are like, you got to be careful. Like, you're going to offend Olympic lifters by saying they're not athletes. I'm not, I'm not saying they're not, not athletes. athletes. Right, but exactly. But I don't train anybody who is an Olympic lifter. That's just the truth. Right. I train athletes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, they're going to... Olympic lifters are going to be on the platform for right. an hour, an hour and a half doing straight, you know, cleans, pulls, you know, yeah. squats, yeah. push breath, that stuff. You know, there's there's more to training an athlete and training a, a sport athlete. We'll yeah. say that, right. you know, better right. better right. term, yep. a sport athlete, a yeah. soccer player, yeah. you know, and, and also it's about buy-in with your with your athletes. If they if they like, oh, my God, we got to do Leanne's workout today they die you yeah. know it's right, like right. it's not going to be it's not going to be pretty and you're not going to get the results yeah. that you, you want them to get and as a as a sport athlete you got to factor in running you got to yeah. factor in con- conditioning speed work you got to factor in practices yeah. games there's so much more to factor in when you're coaching a student athlete yeah. or a sport athlete yeah and you talked a little bit about being a female in this field you know what what are some of the unique challenges or maybe even, you know, opportunities that you see for females and especially maybe young people that are listening to this, young female strength coaches, you have uh, some recommendations or words of wisdom that you would say, hey, you guys need to know this. I would say go out and meet as many people as you possibly can. Um, And also, it's kind of hard now because a lot of football programs or power five teams, they separate out football from from Olympic sports or Olympics. We got football, you got Olympic sports, you got basketball now. So everyone's hiring their own. I think the best thing to do is be involved. Even if you're at a low quote unquote lower level school, you know, mid-major school, um, get involved and coach and be around as many sports as you possibly can. I think now male or female, you're doing yourself a disservice if you, if you focus on one sport, because what happens when you get fired and you have no experience working with a golf team, you have no idea where going to end up and just because you coach football doesn't mean you can coach a golfer or understand what what's going through on a golf and it's not even the x's and o's of and programming it's the mentality of what how what these athletes have um so i think going and, and working with and the opportunity to work with as many sports as you possibly can and get involved with football at your you know fcs level you're not going to have five strength coaches that work football only you know um so I think I think going in and working as many sports as you can, and don't be intimidated um, by that. And, and there's a niche. There's definitely a niche. Some people, hey, I just want to work with women's women's sports, and you know, and be at it. I just there's just too much of a stigma. Well, you know, oh, she's she's a girl. She doesn't know you know what football is all about. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. Right. Um, and that's the thing that in the beginning I battled a lot. But it's like I you have to go out there and prove yourself. You can't be shy. You can't um, believe it or not. I was shy when I first started. I'm not really shy anymore. <laughs> I don't think of that yeah. as a word to describe you. 
<laughs> yeah, not anymore. Not anymore. But it's it's a battle that I've had to fight. You know, it's a battle that, you know, hey, will will coach X, Y, and Z allow a female in his weight room? What difference does it make? Right. Really, what difference does it make? Yeah. You know, I had a friend of mine um, in my undergrad. She was an athletic trainer, athletic training major, and she she actually purposely put DJ as her first name on her resume. Just mm. to go out, it's, you know, to show impartial that it wasn't, you could yeah. tell if it was male or female. And yeah. that's stupid stuff we had to do in the beginning. Yeah. That was 1995, 96. Wow. It's stupid stuff that we had to do as yeah. females is, yeah. hey, use your use your name. You know, I could have used Lee on my right. resume instead of Leanne yeah. just to say, well, is it a male fee? Is it female yeah. kind of yeah, thing? Yeah. So, um, and it's changed a lot. This profession has changed a lot. And I go back to Meg Stone and she kind of set that, set that tone in the beginning. And, um, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Talk about being stronger than your athletes, Meg. <laughs> No, oh yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> no it's great to see the evolution and see so many females uh involved in the field and women's committees and you know kind of That's, really pushing it forward um how about it, going back into now you you're back at Appalachian state so what uh, why why did you make <laughs> the move back to the college uh what were you what were you thinking no why, i know what know, was i thinking what <laughs> What I drove think it that was decision? another challenge. I think it was, hey, you know what? I've done A, B, C, and D. I, our profession has evolved a lot, um, and there's more opportunities out there. And, you know, one of the reasons why I went to App State is, you know, there's seven strength coaches, five full-time and two part-time strength coaches for for 20 sports. I'm like, when I worked at Boston College, it was 43 sports, and there was three strength coaches. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, the profession has evolved a, t- a ton, you know? Um, with just at all levels. And I think it was just another challenge to kind of go back. And some days I kick myself in the ass every day for leaving my high school kids. You know, they've made just as much of an impact on them as I hope I've made an impact. They've made just as much of an impact on me as I think I've made on them. One of the greatest things is getting emails from them or text message, you know, hey, you know, I'm doing this, this, and this now. And, hey, I'm thinking about going on, you know, playing college or... So it, it was one of the hardest decisions I ever had to make, um, you know, but I've had a great time at App State. You know, I think it's a it's a great program, especially work with Travis Triplett and having that opportunity. And I think we're going to grow and have a phenomenal strength conditioning program. At yeah, App, that's App exciting. That's super exciting. So. Um, you spoke you, when I was a state director for Vermont, you spoke at a state clinic that I yep. ran and you've spoken at the national conference with art and coaches conference how much you know how's being how's having been involved with nsca you know affected your career and how you know do you what do you think about telling people recommendations for getting involved and stuff like that I think it's huge. I think the NSCA has been a huge influence on, on my... This is one of the best conferences I come to. Um, I went to the one in Texas and spoke at the one in Texas a couple years ago, and I think it's a great conference meeting great people. Um, it's a great way to meet vendors, meet coaches, um, and NSCA, I think, has been on the forefront and has done a lot for strength conditioning. It's grown and it's evolved, and it, there's been a huge influence of getting athletic directors at the high school levels, at the college levels, to hire more strength conditioning professionals because you are a huge impact in a huge part of, of athletic programs so NSCA is, is is phenomenal I love it yeah and that's been the I think the differentiator too in this coaches conference now every January really is the speakers like you and all you know all the other speakers and Travis and just the level of content you know the level of those presentations and the information you guys are providing 
is is unparalleled in a lot of events that I go to and I go to a lot of events because part of my job. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but I do think, I do think it's a, it's a great clinic and I think it's a great organization that's going to help, you know, foster relationships and, and grow the profession even greater, even yeah. greater on a, on a whole level. Yeah. You know, and it's exciting. We've seen that because this event has grown, uh, every year for the past five years. It's, it's another huge one this year. The membership, uh, NSCA membership is at an all time high. There's never been as many members, uh, and people who are certified. So it's ob- it's clear that the profession is growing and that people's commitment to professionalism by Absolutely. being certified and being um, you know having proper credentials is definitely on the on the you know highest part of their of knowing that it's going to help them in a, in their profession. Well, I think organizations itself, you know, colleges now, it's no longer, oh, well, we'll just throw someone in the weight room or we'll throw at a high school level. We're just going to throw some, a teacher in there for a weight room monitor. You know, they understand there's more to it just from a performance level one, but also from, you know, an injury, you know, standpoint, a safety standpoint, you need someone that knows what they're doing. Even at the college level, you know, um, it used to be, used to be where, where, where sport coaches were doing the strength conditioning. Yeah. You know, they're sport coaches. They know their, you know, they know the X's and O's of their sport, but they don't really truly know the weight room. Um, But it's evolved, and I think the NSCA is huge and instrumental in in creating more opportunities. Yeah, and it's going to keep... Keep pushing it'll keep it growing. forward. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It'll keep growing. It'll keep growing. Yeah. It's all. It's always growing. I've been involved. I got certified. I was again shows my age. I got certified at the NSCA in 1995. Nice. <laughs> so it's uh, 20 going on yeah. 23 years. Took the paper and pencil test. Yeah. Yep. We did. <laughs> yeah. Which is a good thing because I'm still not great with computers. <laughs> that's that's why I need my assistance. You know, yeah. that's that's one thing yeah. I need to get better with. But yeah. you know. what kind of what other what other things do you do as far as what uh, learning and getting more information aside from coming to events like this. What other kind of things are you into to get your... For me, I I go to a lot of conferences, you know. Um, Hammer Strengths had some good conferences. Plays had some good conferences. Um, and go, honestly, site visits. Site visits are one of the best things you can do as a strength conditioning coach to go learn from others. Um, we were at Arizona State. Um, Rochelle Ellsworth, Ray Ellsworth from um, Texas A&M came up to visit us at Arizona to see what we were doing. I'm like, all right, you're Texas A&M, you're coming yeah. to visit us. But I think it's it's one of those things that you got to go out and learn from other people. Yeah. See what other people are doing and don't get just so set in your ways of like, nope, it's this way, it's my way or the highway, and yeah. it's this way. You know, program. I look back at my programs when I, when I was packing up to leave Massachusetts, yeah, yeah. we are packing up boxes and I'm looking at the programs I wrote, you know, 20 years ago, I'm like, oh my God, what the hell was I thinking, yeah. you know? Um, so I think that the profession has evolved a lot, um, but definitely site visits, you know, conferences. Um, and I started to actually re- started reading a lot and not yeah. even so much more reading, um, you know, the X and O's of strength conditioning, you know, John Gordon has a lot of great stuff, you know, um, just, just a lot of different books, you know, yeah. grit oh, yeah. and things like that. Yeah, so absolutely. I think that helps you as a coach, especially in this day and age of coaching the athletes that we have now, yeah. you just can't run and scream and yell at them, right. you know, and call them out. You know, yeah. I mean, some of the things that I said way back 20 years ago, I'm like, <laughs> definitely can't get away with saying right. now. Right. <laughs> definitely can't. I'm like, if I ever, you know, I definitely can't do that. Yeah. You know, you're dealing with a different generation yeah. and this generation of athlete. And I saw at the high school level, you know, all these kids are doing AU and club and 
you know, their coaches, you're so great, you're going to be a D1 athlete, you're this, and they pump them up, and then all of a sudden, they're, they're, they're not, everyone gets a trophy, and yeah, yeah. no one no one knows how to fail any na- anymore, no one, how to deal, no one ha- knows how to deal with adversity, and then they come to college, and I'm sitting on the bench? What do you mean? I was a star. I was the all-star when I was in high school in my AU club team. They told me I was fabulous and I was going to do all these great things. And, you know, and now they don't know how to deal with adversity. So yeah. I think there's a lot more than just reading strength conditioning books. There's a lot more the mental side of it that you have to, you know, think about and cool. and adapt to. Yeah, that's great info. So I have a few kind of go-to questions that I forewarned you about. Um I like to ask everybody, but if you could have dinner or a conversation with any up to three people, (laughs) living dead or fictional characters, who would it be and why? Um, Superwoman. Oh, nice. Because I think that I'm kind of like Superwoman, you know. Um, You know, in the beginning, probably not so much, but now, you know, I think that I can do everything. Um, So Superwoman, fictional, definitely. Um, I think that's, uh, we relate very well. Um, You know what? Meg Stone is still my still my go-to. I, I think you know I've I saw her probably two years ago at a NSCA clinic up in Rhode Island, and just to connect with her and see how far she's come and what yeah. she's done, um, you know. And I guess always my go-to is is Joe Ken. Yeah. You know, House is is again one of my most influential and yeah. and uh, sitting and talking with him, I always get new stuff and watching him. You know, posting his videos every day. I'm, that, I'm not one of the ones that post a whole lot, right, but right. watching him post his stuff and just seeing how he's evolved as a coach yeah. and seeing how he's evolved, he's definitely one of my go-tos. Um, you know, and really, I, I know it's going to probably sound cheesy, but there's a lot of kids that I've coached as interns, a lot of interns that have come and worked for me, and to see them grow and to become head strength coaches yeah. and to go out there. You know, I learn a lot more from them right now, and right. It, and it's pretty cool. So, yeah. yeah, no, I hope that everybody. I hope his presentation, Joe's presentation yesterday, was a it was spot must, on. must see. So I hope we can get that on YouTube and make it free content for everybody. That's no question, no that, question. That was just like I'm like every person that wants to be a strength coach needs to see this. Absolutely. Talk. <laughs> Absolutely. And and it probably like made some people a little uncomfortable in their seats, but yeah, it should because it should. it's it's the way that our profession has gone. Yeah. You know, it's definitely the way our profession has gone. Yeah. That's great. And he hit everything spot on. <laughs> he did. Um, how about if you were this far along in an entirely different career, what do you think you would be doing if it wasn't being a strength coach? Well, I kind of did that. <laughs> um, I kind of stopped, you know, and I taught for a while. So okay. I, at the high school level, I taught for two years. Okay. But like I said yesterday in my presentation, teaching is coaching, coaching yeah. is teaching. Yeah, yeah. And I had a phenomenal time teaching at the high school level. Yeah. Um, I think that's, I would go back to, if, if I said, hey, I'm going to leave um, call it the college world again, I would probably go back to teaching because yeah. it's it's a way to influence so many people, so many um, so many kids. Yeah. Um, the staff that I worked with at Franklin High School was, was unbelievable, and yeah. um, our PE department, um, I can't say enough about them yeah. and, and the influence that they've had on me, you know, yeah. just as a person, so... Yeah. Yeah, I would say the answer to that for me would be I would probably be a basketball coach because I played and coached basketball. I was actually looking for GA positions as a basketball coach coming out of my undergrad. Um, but 
that's not, not really that. an entirely different career. So I don't know if I can count that. Yeah. Then, I didn't but then know that. I always say too that strongman ruined my basketball career <laughs> though, because once I got into strongman 2005, six, uh, my basketball skills declined, declined. greatly because I focused a lot on strongman and yeah. being big and strong. And strong. And I was really. Hey, now you got arm farm days going on, you know, <laughs> get yep. jacked arm farm now days. Now it's just all about being Dr. Jacked. Yes, really all Dr. Matters. Jacked. <laughs> Phenomenal. Um, how about if people listen to listening to this? want to get in touch with you what do you have social media what's the best way to reach out to you how they find you you can find me on social media uh leanne blinn um on instagram i my email at appstate is blinn le at appstate.edu um anyone is more than welcome to contact me come up to appstate and talk shop anytime and uh awesome yeah awesome we'll put all that show in the show notes as well so people have it but thanks again we'll enjoy seeing you at the rest of the conference Thanks. This was the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.